Original content. Content. Compelling discussions. Audio on demand. This is a Podcast 225 production. Synonyms of the word change. Alter. Make different. Become different. Adjust. And every day, we evolve. We adapt. We change. And this is where we talk about it. This is The Clay Young Show. Thanks, Neil. Welcome back. This one will be a quick one for you this week. Instant react. Well, maybe not instant reaction, but reaction to the presidential election that the election day is over. And I think the outcome is pretty set. But that does not mean this whole thing is over. Right. I think it's going to it's going to go on for at least a few more days. And I've got some thoughts about that. So let's start with this. I wasn't that surprised by the outcome of the election going forward. I think President Trump did better than a lot of people thought he would do. But the turnout among Biden supporters was so gassed up that I knew he stood a better than puncher's chance of winning. And I talked to people about that, you know, during the week leading up to last week's election and had some conversation with electeds about it. And it was just the way the numbers had gone. And it wasn't so much enthusiasm for Joe Biden as much as it was enthusiasm to vote against Donald Trump. Now, four years ago, that same level of enthusiasm really pushed out the Republican voter. And to a degree, it suppressed some of the enthusiasm among Democratic voters. I don't think you saw as much of a suppression or a walkaway factor from Republicans this go around. But I want to tell you that I do think that there was some of that there. I think people on the right were pretty wholly united in their belief that if you tick down the list of some of the things Trump did from a conservative standpoint with business, with military and law enforcement and all of those things, that he checked every box. But among the group of people who supported the job that the president had done was a section of people who just did not like his style. And I think that played poorly towards the end, because if you look at his record and some of the things that have happened, you would have thought he would have walked to a victory. Now, as it stands, Joe Biden has more than 290 electoral votes, and we'll see what happens. Georgia still hangs out there. We'll see what happens with that. And then there's North Carolina. But I don't know that there is enough unless there is hardcore proof. For the courts, I don't know that they overturn this number. And, it, and one of the keys that you could look at to see that that is the case is the number of Republicans. I mean, you know, really longstanding Republicans slash conservatives who have already conceded to the reality that President Trump will not be reelected. I mean, the turnout alone tells you that there was enthusiasm about this. 
and I think people are seeing it. I meant to say this to you at the top. Do you realize that at least 158 million people voted in this year's presidential election? That is 20 million more than four years ago. 25 million more than 2012. And one of the things about this, and one of the major factors is over uh, or, or near, nearly 102 million people voted early, either in person or either by mail. You know, when I went to the polls to vote on Election Day, I didn't early vote. I wanted to go on Election Day. I just figured I'd go mid-morning <clears throat> and have a chance to to get there. I was, I was prepared to wait, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, but I, you know. So I get there, I'm in the line, go through all of the stuff. They've got you distanced, distanced in there. Everybody's got their masks on. They've got you separated. Person goes into the, the voting booth. They vote. As soon as they come out, one of the workers goes in and wipes everything down for the next person. It was pretty well organized. And a gentleman in front of me, and I'm standing behind him, and the lady's kind of telling us in which line we're going to go. And he said, now this guy, looking at this guy, he was 50 if he was a day. And he told the worker, now he was or is African-American. And he said to the poll worker, he said, I'm a little bit nervous. This is my first time. His first time voting. Fact. Now, I would assume he was likely not in there to vote for Donald Trump. Could be wrong. But if I was going to bet, I'd feel safe with that bet. And I'm telling you, that kind of thing was happening around the country. And I think that was one of the factors going into this that made the entire day so interesting. I think President's, uh, President Trump's style, in the end, is what hurt him more than anything else. And we've talked about this. Go back to the last debate between the vice president, soon to be, uh, I guess, officially now president-elect. It'll be official on December 14th. And the current president, and, and listen to the things that they talk about. And, you know, I've heard this time and time again that people should go out and, depending on which side of the aisle you are on, vote for this issue or that issue. And I tell people a lot that one of the strongest, most magnetic forces to get people out to vote is hatred. And on the other side is love. Generally speaking, someone loves a candidate based upon a, a set of beliefs, ideals, and platform that they bring to the table. When a candidate is brand new, all you're doing is going by how they make you feel when they talk, what they, what they sell to you. 
But there is the other side, and that is hate. Now, I use hate in quotation marks. Pretend you can see my air quotes. Republicans, air quotes implied, hated Hillary Clinton. Again, air quotes. And turned out so she would not be in that office. Well, guess what happened last Tuesday? Democrats, by and large, showed up because they, quote unquote, hate. Air quotation marks going on over here in the studio. Hate the president. It is what it is. People ought to just say that. I saw reports on social media posts where people were saying, stating it flat out. They did not go to vote for Joe Biden. They went to vote against President Trump. Wasn't even about Kamala Harris. And you watch this pendulum swing, and I know people want to over egghead to death what went on. And listen, I'll save you some time. The emotion about this was palpable. You could see it. Now, people talking about the popular vote and all of that, you know, some of the more populous states in the country are largely Democratic-leaning states, Democrat-leaning states like California, like the state of New York, okay? I am just curious as to how the next several, the next few weeks are going to play out. Now, everybody's making the comparison to 2000. So I'm going to run you through a quick little history lesson here in this short version of a podcast. For those of you who were around, you will remember. And for those of you who were too young to remember, or this was your first time voting and you don't really know, the 2000 election was the closing act of the Clinton administration. And it saw the last two years of of President Clinton being in office as being controversial and salacious, to say the least, right? Well, the election was on November 7th of the year 2000. At 7.50 p.m., the AP declares Vice President Al Gore the victor in Florida based on voter news service projections from the exit polls. The major TV networks call Florida for the then vice president. At 9.30, Florida begins to look more uncertain as the vote totals accumulate more in favor of then Texas Governor George W. Bush. Bush was talking with reporters and the networks called This is a quote from him. This uh, networks or the networks called this thing awfully early, but the people actually counting the votes are coming up with different perspective. So we're pretty darn upbeat about things. At 10 o'clock, networks begin retracting the projection that Gore won Florida. Then the state became too close to call. So on Wednesday, the 8th at 2.15 a.m., President, uh, well, Governor Bush at the time, took a decisive lead in Florida. Some estimates put him up by 50,000 votes. Now networks 
begin to project Bush to be the winner of Florida and the presidency all before 3 a.m. At 2.30, then Vice President Gore calls uh, Governor Bush. He became President Bush. You see why that's difficult to make that. But uh, Gore calls Bush to concede the election. He leaves his hotel in Nashville. His motorcade heads to the War Memorial Plaza where he plans to address supporters. At 3.15, his advisors call him to tell him Bush's lead in Florida has diminished dramatically. He returns to his hotel without addressing his supporters. And reports at that time show a less than 1,000 vote lead. Hmm. I remember this and at the time doing radio here and just the the whole thing it was just it was crazy so Gore calls at 3.30 Bush back to retract his concession the networks retract the projection that Bush wins Florida at 3.57 so by the morning time the margins are bouncing all around so we go to Thursday The preliminary nationwide popular vote numbers are Gore, 48,976, excuse me, 48,976,148 votes. Bush, 48,783,510 And I know you're noticing that it's in the 40 millions here. And both candidates in last week's election got over 70 million with Biden getting over 75 million, at least the initial projections are, and President Trump getting over 71 million. So this goes on. I won't go back and forth. This this actually goes on deep into, <laughs> uh, into December. And on December 13th, Vice President Gore accepts that George W. Bush will become the 43rd president of the United States. Now, let's fast forward 20 years. And isn't it just a 2020 kind of thing that we would be here now with this? Don't you just look at this and go, how else would it have gone? I don't suspect that this is going to end within the next few days. But I do believe, unless there is concrete proof, people are going to be calling on President Bush or President <laughs> President Trump to accept this and move on. He's not going to. He says he believes that there is fraud. Hadn't seen the proof yet, but he's going to have to come out with it. So it's TBD on this. Do I think the outcome is going to change? My answer is no. I don't think it's going to change. I think when the inauguration happens on the 20th of January, it is more likely than not that Joe Biden is going to be taking the oath of office. But in 2020, I would be a fool to think that the door is completely closed on all of this. But it has been, it's, it's, I don't really know. I haven't run into anyone who has said they're shocked 
that it, it's it's going this way. In this year, I think we're all looking around. Going, of course, there's another hurricane in Florida. Of course, the election is going to go like this. What else do you expect? Now, I did want to share something with you uh, uh, that popped out of an interview that House Majority Whip James Clyburn said. He, he did an interview with CBS News, and he talked about Republicans gaining some ground in the U.S. House of Representatives. And I will say, as in as much as Trump's style on on a lot of things, the, the social media, the you know tweeting and some of the retweets of things has just fed the fire against him. I think on the Democrat side, as it relates to some of the rhetoric about law enforcement, I don't think that plays very well either. I think you absolutely have to hold people in authority, that includes law enforcement, accountable. You take an oath to be accountable. But some of the rhetoric that accompanies it can be problematic and is often problematic. Here is an exchange between he and Vlad Gutierrez about why Republicans took some seats in the House. Uh, as you know, House Republicans exceeded expectations on Election Day by knocking off at least five targeted incumbent Democrats this year. In an interview over the weekend, you called the movement to defund police, Medicare for all, and uh, socialism, quote, albatrosses around our necks that ultimately hurt the party. Uh, I know that you've also spoken about some conversations that you had with the late Congressman John Lewis about some of these divides, or at least some of these policy differences between progressives and moderates uh, in the party. Uh, what did he say to you about that? And what do you think needs to happen uh, to mend this growing divide if if ultimately Democrats will want to be successful in capturing those two Senate Long seats in question. Georgia. Well, I think you may know that John Lewis and I first met in October 1960. The two of us were founding members of SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And John Lewis and I uh, were very close friends all the way up to his death. We believe in nonviolent movements. We did not believe in violence. And John and I were very concerned when these slogans came out uh, about defund the police. We sat together on the House floor not long after that and, and, and talked about how that slogan and other kinds of slogan could undermine the Black Lives Matter movement just as burn, baby burn, destroyed our movement back in the 60s. Now you may remember from your studies that you wouldn't have been have been around to uh, participate in all of that. Uh, but John Lewis marched across the Edmund Pettus Bridge on Bloody Sunday, March 1965. Uh, the Voting Rights Act came out of that uh, in August of 1965, signed by President Lyndon Johnson. But less than a year later, John was ousted as chairman of SNCC by those proponents of Burn Baby Burn. Now I'll ask, we all see where John got uh, in life. What happened to the burn baby burners? Nobody heard any more from them of a positive nature. And we didn't want to see that happen to this movement as well. And so when you say defund the police, and I talk to my friends about this, but that's not really what we mean. And I say, well, in this business, you got to say what you mean. And you got to mean what you say. And if you're sitting out trying to explain what you mean, you're losing the argument. We live in a 30, not even a 30 second, sometimes just a 15 second soundbite world. 
and burned, baby, burned, killed us, defunded the police, is killing uh, our uh, party, and we've got to stop it. I'm telling you, that is very, very well stated. And I think, and it happens when, when emotion leads the the dialogue, right? And, and, and you don't sit back and say, okay, well, what was supposed to happen? And then what did happen? Okay, well, what was supposed to happen didn't happen. So how do we go about addressing it? And it depends on the context. Sometimes that wasn't supposed to happen and it did happen. And but but he, as he's saying, and this is someone who is a civil rights icon. This is someone who is saying, hey, look, this burn, baby, burn, letting violence be the tip of your spear only hurts you. Now, let me back up and say this. I believe the vast majority of people who want to be out there and and protesting and all this are not interested in burning anything down or rioting. And quite frankly, if you don't believe me, you can go into the inner city and ask them, do they want to defund the police? And they'll tell you, hell no. In fact, in many cases, they want more police in their areas. So when, when discussions or, or dialogue is hijacked by people who just want to keep the fire going, it doesn't work. And I see that stuff on both sides, but I wanted to share that with you. And, and those thoughts from Congressman Clyburn as we get out of here, but just kind of wanted to go through and talk about the election quick thoughts on that. And we'll see how the next few days go. Could be a two show this week, kind of week, right? Right, right, right. Thank you for being here. Don't forget. You can follow me on Twitter at clay young BR on Facebook, just clay young and clay underscore young BR on Instagram. All right. Thank you for checking us out on this quick version of the Clay Young Show. Back maybe later this week with another edition. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Clay Young Show.